If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Welcome to another episode of the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, and I am so excited to be here with you today. In this episode, we are talking to Dr. Blackman Carr, who is an Associate Professor of Community and Public Health Nutrition at the University of Connecticut. She has been a registered dietitian since 2010. Her expertise is in behavioral weight control interventions with an emphasis on addressing obesity in black women. She develops and evaluates interventions that leverage social relationships to improve weight loss and related diet and physical activity behavior change. As co-chair of the research committee for NOBIDAN, She aims to bring her research, training, and her expertise to the forefront to meet the needs and interests of the dietetic community. We are so pumped to talk to Dr. Blackman Carr about the connection between stress and nutrition. So we are so pleased to have Dr. Lanika Blackman-Carr, who's a registered dietitian with us today. And she's going to talk to us about the role of nutrition, physical activity, and the role stress plays on those two aspects. So we'll start off. Dr. Carr, can you give us a little background on who you are, what you do? Yes, gladly. And and thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about our discussion. And it's a topic that I really do like to research, uh, but I'm really passionate about, especially when it comes to women's health and professional women, uh, because I know women often play two roles professionally. There's what you do in the nine to five, and then there's that second shift when you come home as well. And both of those um, environments definitely can uh, be a factor in what we're going to talk about today. But just, you know, my background, I've been a dietitian for, I think, just over 10 years. Yes, yeah, officially credentialed in 2010. Uh, but studying nutrition from my undergraduate through my PhD, uh, and I really have a particular focus on uh, weight research. So even though I'm a professor uh, at UConn uh, here in Connecticut in the nutrition department, I chose much of my research to focus on weight status, uh, mainly because 
to me, it, it can really encompass both what we eat and how we move and also kind of the things that might impact both of how we're eating and how we're moving or not moving so much. Uh, and so it's really a catch-all. So it mostly my role really is to do research and I focus on Black women because so often we are not part of the discussions when it comes to wellness and health, or when we are part of the discussion, the nuances of our life of you know being black uh, and doing so in America or in the world uh, can definitely levy its own tax, if you will, as many parts of our culture are beautiful, definitely being a minority in the United States in particular can have its own stressors and context that we need to deal with. So much of my work uh, and conversations focus on black women and our wellness. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I totally agree with that. Black women um, being the minorities in America is difficult because we deal with a lot of different stressors when we are compared to our white counterparts, so to speak. So can you tell me the role that stress plays in terms of nutrition and physical activity? Certainly. So just anecdotally from my work as a dietitian, but also past studies, uh, you know, what I've observed when it comes to stress, nutrition and physical activity is people really experience it in one of two ways. I haven't really heard, you know, from clients that there's this gray area. So particularly when it comes to food, people say, well, when I'm really stressed, I lose my appetite completely. Um, and I won't eat for days, you know, and there's the other side of it where people say when I'm stressed, I reach for the most unhealthy thing, you know, I can finish a whole pizza by myself, um, which, you know, gets into other manifestations of, um, poor eating habits or even disordered eating, uh, which is something that we don't talk enough about in the black community. Um, but also when it comes to physical activity, the same things kind of happen. Some people have developed the strategy where physical activity is, you know, taken up or engaged in more in response to being stressed and others when they're stressed, I have no energy. You know, I really just want to lay down and, and recoup what I can. So those are the manifestations that I've really seen in talking to Black women and women of color uh, and how those two things play a role, even if they even have the time, you know, in regards to physical activity, particularly to be active in the midst of all the things that can be stressors from daily life. Yeah, and that's one thing I focus in on is that, you know, as nurses, that, that's where our audience is, um, you know, we are stressed, our profession is very stressful. And now we are dealing with this whole pandemic that just really amplifies that stress, right? Oh, so so it, it's hard, it's hard to mobilize yourself and motivate yourself when you're stressed, you're not really thinking straight. Um, and I know you have a lot of experience in behavior change. So do you have any advice for our listeners in terms of how they can change their behaviors even in the midst of a stressful situation, such as a pandemic? Yeah, definitely. Um, goodness, I think first and foremost is to actually focus on focus in on the stressor. So identify what is stressing you out. I think lots of times we feel stressed if we're even you know in tune with ourselves enough to understand what our physical mental, emotional stress responses are. So you have to start by A, acknowledging the stress and then B, well, what is actually stressing me out? Um, thinking about COVID and the pandemic, certainly it can be the loss of family members suddenly. Um, and now, you know, nurses being privy to seeing how we're not even able to be part of folks transition from life to, you know, passing on. Um, and that is a whole new stressor that 
especially in the health field, folks have had to deal with in mass. Um, and so definitely identifying the stressor itself and naming it. Um, and I like uh, back in the old days uh, when Ianla Van Zandt first came on the scene, she says this thing, call a thing a thing. Um, and I love that and I never forgot that, but we actually do have to name those things that are negative, harmful, um, and even if it feels uncomfortable. Um, and maybe that's just naming it to yourself, which is where the conversations all, always start. Um, so start there. But once you get to that point of identifying your stressor, what you do then is really think about, okay, well, is this modifiable? You know, this thing that's causing me stress, can I change it? Or is it something that I actually don't have that much control over? And that can guide where you go next. Of course, we want to put our energy and effort to what we can actually improve upon and control. So, you know, in this case, uh, you know, let's take racism as a hot topic, which we're seeing more and more um, scholars and academics study race on a large scale. This used to be something that might be confined to those who study African-American studies. Uh, but now the conversation has opened up a lot, particularly given COVID, Black Lives Matter, everything that's happened over the last 365 days. Um, so obviously their system, racism is systemic. And so there's only so much that you might be able to do on an individual level but there are little things you can do to address, you know, racism in your life. So you might start there, you know, how you vote, you know, I have the power to vote. So I can do that. I'm not going to stay home next time I go to the polls. And as much as that sounds like it might not be so helpful or directly connect to the physical activity, the nutrition side of things, when we're focusing on the stressor, that is the, the barrier to getting to those healthful, healthful practices. That's what we want to really do. Um, and so that is, really just kind of one example we could talk about of stress and how we reduce it, but start by naming that thing, calling it as it is and thinking about, okay, well, how can I address this? And so you really do have to kind of set aside a little bit of time to do that, which feels like a luxury, but really it's an investment in your health. Yeah. And I think about, um, you know, our black nurses out there who are on the front line dealing with COVID, dealing with uh, racial um, injustice, everything that's going on in our world. Um, it, it's tough. And, you know, we talk about wellness, we promote health and wellness, but it's so hard to really hone in on that, right? When so many other things are going on. And, and it's not just that, it's what's going on at home too, right? Because we play a role in our families, um, you know, being the, the Black woman, <laughs> right? As we know, we play many roles, we wear many hats. Um, so, so it's really hard. Um, so I like the fact of really trying to identify what the stressor is and seeing if you can mitigate it. Is it something that I can do or is, do I need help, right? Do I right. need to reach out for, for something? So I, I do love that. Um, and talk to me a little bit about, because um, I know sometimes when we're stressed, as you kind of alluded to, we reach for unhealthy food, right? We're not reaching for the hummus. Never, never the hummus. <laughs> Right. So talk to us about um, how we can kind of combat those, those cravings of the unhealthy foods, because even though we are reaching for those and we're consuming those, those have um, long term effects on our overall health. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Sure, sure. And, and those effects are cumulative, right? So it's not just, you know, and I always tell people don't beat yourself up for the one time that you slip, because I think that's such an easy um, quagmire to get caught in. And honestly, that can stop people from getting back on the train of health and wellness. Um, and so 
how do you really prevent yourself from getting there? And, and uh, it's kind of the same tactic of, and I'll say, we call it mindfulness. So mindful eating is one way to go about it. And what I've been seeing more and more is stress research is actually getting funded now, even through our National Institutes of Health. So mindfulness um, certainly is beneficial for reducing your stress, but can also be beneficial for um, creating that space between, oh, I'm really stressed. You know, my usual reaction might be to reach for or, or get some, you know, unhealthy takeout. But taking that space between the thought and the action to um, really interrogate yourself, okay, why am I reaching for this? Or as you start to recognize and become more present with yourself, I'm consistently reacting in this way and choosing these types of foods when this thing happens or when I feel this certain way. Um, so that's really where the mindfulness comes in. And let's say you kind of make that um, leap from, you know, feeling really stressed to choosing that uh, more unhealthy food, if you will, in that moment, you have the food in hand, like, what is this doing for me? How am I feeling as I'm eating this? And being more present with the actual food, because what we do get into a lot with stress, especially if your response is to eat, is mindless eating. So we're just continuing to eat, not paying attention to our hunger cues. Oh, am I actually full? Um, and that people can easily surpass that to that point of, you know, really feeling stuffed, kind of like that post-Thanksgiving meal when people kind of gorge themselves. Uh, that can often happen at the end of a, a binge eating episode that could be related to a stress response. Um, and so again, taking that step back, creating that space, I'm feeling stressed. I usually go for this food. Why am I going for this food? What is the pattern that's emerging? Because I guarantee you, if it's a, if it's a repeated thing in your life, there's a pattern and there's a reason. So just being mindful about why am I eating this? And then when you do have that food, um, asking yourself, okay, what is this food doing for me? How does it make me feel? Is it helping me uh, achieve any of my health-related goals? And seeing if those things align or don't align and that moment of awareness uh, really builds to support what, you know, women might need to have in the forefront of their minds when it comes to overall health in the short and long. Yeah, no, that, that's really good. And I call that uh, creating the gap, you know, so the gap in when you pick something up, create the gap of processing, giving yourself exactly. time to process. Even when people yeah. are stressed, even activities, we go from one thing to another, but you have to create the gap to really think yep. about, okay, let's reset before we kind of go on to the next thing. And I think you brought up something really good about uh, mindful eating. So as nurses, as you know, you know, with COVID being in the midst of a pandemic, COVID-19, uh, we wear masks, you know, 12 hours, eight hours on the front line. So many times we're starving, <laughs> right? Wow. So can you talk to us about like how starvation and appetite and stress, because sometimes I think when you don't eat for so long and, you know, you have time to take your mask off, you know, clean up and eat, you engorge yourself, right? Cause you're just so hungry. What's the importance of really creating time and space to eat and, and drink and hydrate yourself? Yeah. I mean, you stated it so well right there, that scenario. And I've seen that in, you know, of course the nurses and COVID time right now is, is quite unique, but I've seen that same thing happen, uh, you know, for stylists that I've worked with folks who are really in service industries, um, taking care of other people uh, in myriad ways that all of that uh, can manifest in the same way that by the time you actually get a chance to eat, 
hunger, you know, is so high that, oh, I've got to eat now. I've got to eat quickly, especially if you're short on time, which who isn't. Um, and then we get to a point where it's easy to overeat because we don't have the time. Um, and so how do we actually create that space for nourishment? I think it's about making it a priority, um, but also working around what you can control. So is it possible to have a, a snack in your pocket, you know, that's packaged that once you get your hand sanitizer on, you're in like a, a clean environment, maybe you only have five minutes or two that you have a snack that is supporting your goals. It's healthy, um, or at least healthy-ish, I say. It doesn't always have to be 100%, you know, the perfect food. I don't think that exists, but something that at least will nourish you and keep you satiated uh, for, as opposed to not having anything, right? So for me, that's often having a kind bar or two in my briefcase or in my car. So I pack little snacks in different areas that are prepackaged that work for me, non-perishable for the most part, uh, that make it really easy if you're shuttling from place to place. Uh, so that's that's one thing you can do. And then other times, I think it is actually about setting boundaries where you can. Again, I know COVID is a unique situation and boundaries, I'm sure for nurses have probably gone out the window, the shifts are extra long. Um, and so it's maybe even preparing before I go into work, I know that on the way to work on my commute, I can eat such and such, you know, if you're in a place where you can take your mask off. Um, so that home prep really does matter. Now, being short on time and knowing that your shifts are longer, I'm sure at home, cooking might have changed and preparation surely might have changed. So how can you engage the other members of your household to support you in that. As women, I and you know, totally in a patriarchal society still, you know, much of those home duties are ours, but we need to relinquish some of them. And that means being okay with them not being done perfectly the way that we would do it. But does it does giving some ownership to either your teenage children or your husband, um, you know, actually your partner, whoever it may be in your home, especially if it's intergenerational, we should all be helping each other and taking a village approach to our health. So who in the home can you delegate something small to? Your children can certainly help with putting together snacks, not just for them, but also for yourself. So that can become you know, an activity that gets incorporated into your typical uh, household regimen and can support you on your way to work. And then, okay, well, what do I have in my car or my bag that you know, as I'm ending a shift, maybe before I get home and am able to have that full meal, making sure that's with you. So again, by the time you do get to that full meal, your hunger, you've at least started to address your hunger and it's not so out of control that, you know, we're gorging at the end of the day and really getting to a point of feeling uncomfortable or at that point where our hunger is so out of control, we're choosing an unhealthy food that if we were to continue to consume it um, long-term really would not end in our best health. So those are just a couple of things that we can do to really work around what we can't control. Yeah, no, absolutely. And thank you for that. And I know you mentioned kind bar. What are some other quick go-to things? I know people say high protein, but what are some foods yeah. that we can uh, package up for ourselves? So for those long shifts, you can focus on, you know, our macronutrients, basically fat, carbohydrates, protein. The things that are going to keep you full are fat and protein. And in terms of our carbohydrates, we're talking about high fiber foods. Okay. So that is, um, you know, your 
whole grain brown rice. Um, that's your 100% whole wheat bread, not just brown bread, better say 100% on whole grain or whole wheat, just to make sure. Um, and so you want to make sure you're focusing on foods that are higher in protein, um, do have fat in it. Fat is not evil. Every part of our cells has fat. You guys know you're nurses. So I'm preaching to the choir here. Our bodies have fat. We need it. Eat it, please. Um, and so, you know, as our seasons are changing, becoming spring into summer, avocados are going to come into play. Yes, have a portion of avocado if you can. I know that's more fresh, um, but put it in a smoothie. Um, it's kind of a flavorless thing that you can get away with. It'll make your smoothies nice and creamy, but will also add fat to it. And fat also actually does help us absorb some of our essential vitamins, A, D, E, and K. Those are fat-soluble vitamins. So we should have some fat in our food so we can have a maximal absorption of some of our key nutrients. But protein, these can be our nuts, you know, whatever um, you want to throw together, maybe a trail mix. So nuts and, you know, a carbohydrate, it could be some dried fruit. Um, it could be crackers, you know, on the side, if you wanted to, some more whole grain crackers as well. Um, but you know, I think if you wanted to go old school, you could even do rich crackers and, and some cheese as a small snack. Just watch your portions. Um, that's one of my favorite snacks uh, for sure. But pairing your apple slices with peanut butter or another nut butter uh, is another easy thing. You can pack up. Again, the kids can help you with that. Um, and those are my go-tos. So I think start there, but you'll soon discover. And of course, just taking time to think about this, what are my favorite foods and snacks? And do they have, you know, focus on protein? Do they have some fat or are they high fiber? Um, and you mentioned hummus earlier, uh, Wendy. And so, yes, I love to pair hummus with um, non-starchy vegetables. So like bell peppers, I cut them into strips um, or even cucumbers, even though that's mostly water, uh, it does add a fresh element and adds more bulk and water, of course, which is always a plus uh, to my diet along with those bell peppers. And so you can mix and mash up things and have a lot of fun with, I think the hummus and the dipping, because uh, there's so many different flavors out there. So experiment and see what really works for you. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point. So what I'm hearing is you need to be intentional <laughs> and you need to plan. <laughs> yes. Yeah, no way around it. I think, you know, nowadays, I think our grocery stores do help us in that a lot of things are already portioned out for you. So I know there are small little cups of peanut butter, so you don't even have to portion it out yourself if that's a challenge and you don't have the time. Same for our hummus. Uh, so take advantage of those things. You'll pay a little bit more because there's packaging. Um, but if it saves you in one area of your life some time, um, it might be worth that cost uh, benefit to go and do that for yourself and think of it as a gift to yourself. So yes, intentional plan. And it can look as simple as taking advantage of those prepackaged smaller portion items. Yeah, absolutely. And before we wrap up, I just want you to touch on the importance of hydration because everyone mm -hmm. talks about water, 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 water. So can you shine some light on that for us? Yes. Well, number one, I'm going to say you definitely need to hydrate. You, you, I always say the P test, look at your urine. What color is it? Is it, you know, dark yellow? You need, you're under, you're not hydrated enough. You're dehydrated. So it should be nice straw yellow. It's okay if it's clear, no big deal. Um, but usually by the time you notice that you're really thirsty, you're, you've already been dehydrated. So my tactic is, and I have it with me now, I always have something next to me to make sure that I am hydrated. And when it runs out, 
I refill. Now, if you're on a longer shift, as you all are as healthcare professionals, I know they sell 32 ounce and 64 ounce um, water bottles. Fill that up. You should only need to do that once or twice a day, um, you know, and have that by your side at all times. I have friends who have a water bottle in each location, one in the car, one at home, one is in the gym bag. So you don't even have to worry or think to remember one more thing. Where is my water bottle? Nope. It's already in the place where it needs to be. And so whenever it gets empty, you just fill that right up and you can keep it in that location until it's, you know, ready for a wash. But do know that so many of our fruits and vegetables have water. So you're not only getting water from what you drink, but also getting it from what you eat. So as you're focusing on those, you know, protein and, you know, uh, type of uh, snacks that we talked about, certainly make sure you are getting your fruits and vegetables because they will contribute as well. Um, your teas do count, stick to decaffeinated um, as much as you can. Same for your coffee. So they're liquids, they're positive, um, but do have um, decaf versions when you can and treat the caffeinated versions as a treat. Um, and just make sure you're really on top of that. So like I said, make sure you have a tool and the tool here is your water bottle. Um, and I know for folks who water is not a favorite flavor for everybody. Um, I just have to be one of those weird folks who loves plain water. Jazz it up with some mint leaves, some cucumber slices, lemon water, orange slices in there. You can really have fun with herbs, but also with some of those citrus things. And I know folks who do put like fruits and berries in there as well, just to give it a little essence of something else. But then, you know, you also have a little snack at the bottom uh, when you get to it. So it's, it's fun. It's beautiful to look at. And it tastes just a little bit better than plain water if you find that you need something more uh, interesting for your palate. Awesome. Awesome. Well, these have been really great tips, but before we get out of here, we do do a rapid fire with our guests. Are you okay with us doing that? I am. Let's do it. All right. So the first thing that comes to your mind, just share it with us. Okay. Wellness means? Wealth. I know I'm stressed when? Ooh, I don't sleep. My go-to stress management solution is? Exercise. Love it. <laughs> the last time I had a belly laugh was? Uh, last week with my best friend when she called me and we've known each other for 20 plus years. So my last conversation with her. That is awesome. Such a great stress reliever. Oh, one thing I learned about myself during the COVID-19 pandemic is? I need people even though I'm an introvert. Awesome. All right. That's it. Well, thank you so much. This was great. This was great. Do you have any last words for our, our listeners? You. Goodness. I mean, really just prioritize your health as difficult as that sounds right now. Stress is something that will take away from your joy in life, but it can be managed. Focus on what you can control and let the rest fall away and you should be good from there, but it's a process. So take your time and be gentle with yourself. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Really enjoyed having you on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. Between episodes, you can follow the Nurse Wellness Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Before you go, I would love to share a free mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download your free copy. Until next time, go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. 
for example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Crockover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.